All right, I got a lesson for you tonight, or a word for you, or an encouragement for you, or an exhortation for you, or an admonishment for you, whichever one you want to call it, whichever it feels to be in your spirit as it comes to you. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. Let me get another drink. I'm going to have to get a few of these tonight, so I don't want to keep coughing, dying. And I went out uh, a little earlier and had uh, a meal together, and then went over to Home Depot, and I started coughing and you know nowadays when you start getting around anybody that's coughing in public you're like oh my god there's a leper get, get away from them and so I apologize if that comes it just it's it's allergies don't worry about me y'all uh, I want to bring a word to you tonight <clears throat> again the title preparing for the Lord's return uh, I don't think that this subject can get old for us and I'm going to do my best to make it fresh every week. And I, I, I just sought God about what was the next thing to talk about in this process. And of course, I've been, <clears throat> excuse me, really focused in on Matthew chapter 24. As I've said to you many times before, as it relates to end times, and especially the return of the Lord, I believe that the Lord's words are the most important words the most authoritative words, the most accurate words about the end times and about his return. So listening to what he would have to say about it would be of paramount importance to us over any other, any other, any, any other person's words, whether that be Joel or Peter or Paul or Isaiah or Daniel, because they all will agree with the words of Jesus. Everything points to Jesus. <clears throat> And it was led to chapter 25. And it was interesting to me that what I noticed was the parable of the ten virgins. And really, it was the first parable that Jesus gave to his disciples about his return upon sharing with them all that he shared with them in Matthew 24. And, and that really laid into my spirit, then I'm going to continue to want to understand what Jesus' feelings about his return were. And he used this parable of the ten virgins to say, here's what it's going to be like. And um, so we're going to get into that tonight. <clears throat> and, and I don't know, there may be more lessons to come from this, but I think that it's important for us to uh, continue to face reality, to face the facts. Um, I'm not, I am not a doom and gloom preacher, but I must confess that it's hard to teach the end time subject matter without there being a doom and a gloom element to it. Uh, because if you read through Revelation and stuff, there is a lot of that there. But the other side of the coin is that I absolutely believe this with all my heart, y'all, that although we will go through some very, very difficult and perilous times, which we already are, and they're only going to get more difficult and more perilous. They're going to be the greatest days on the planet for the church because people are going to run after Jesus like they've never run after Jesus before, and they're going to need people like you and me who are ready for the Lord's return and have the true light to show them the way, that have the salt that brings the flavor to Jesus Christ, and they're going to, the church is going to rise. 
in more ways than one, amen? So although I may bring information along the end time subject matter that may feel negative, please understand that we are God's sons and daughters and we are in the palm of his hand. We just need to be strong and courageous and keep putting our foot forward and keep leaning into the arms of God and watch people run to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of you, because of me, because of Resurrection Life Church and others like us. But nonetheless, we got to face the facts. A lot of people think that things are just going to get easier, that somehow things are going to get better. I'm not one of those people, and I'm not a, I'm not a negative Nelly. No offense to anybody out there named Nelly, so, but I'm not that negative kind of person who's just always pessimistic and skeptical about everything. I'm an optimistic person. I'm a positive thinker, but I believe that people are looking at world events right now through either blinders or through rose-colored glasses because they believe somehow it's all going to pass by. It's all going to get better. It's all going to... Listen, that is... Number one, that is not what the Bible teaches us. So as I talk to you about things that may feel like negative news, you've got to remember, you're a part of the, the church of the living God, sons and daughters of the King of Kings, and you will be covered by his cloud of glory, and the Lord's light will rise and shine in you, praise God, and people will run to the church and run to the altars of God where they have a true experience and encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. There are a lot of so-called prophets out there prophesying that things are going to get better. Yet the Bible teaches us clearly that more difficult days are in front of us, that more difficult days are coming. <clears throat> Quite frankly, knowing this, having a realization of this should help us get a little bit more serious about God. I've been trying to get the church that I've been pastoring uh, uh, in, whether that be in West Branch for 13 and a half years and now here for nearly nine years, to get serious about their faith in Christ and their walk with God. Because you guess what, folks? There's going to come a day when it will be too late to get serious about God. If you can't be serious about God today, you're going to have a dickens of a time getting serious about God when the kitchen gets even hotter, so to speak. We're going to need to be strong. We're going to need to be <clears throat> prepared and prepared for the Lord's return. We're going to need to have strength. And we're going to need to have spiritual preparedness. Say that. Say that phrase. Spiritual preparedness. Say it again. Spiritual preparedness. And we're going to have to have some spiritual preparedness in order to go through it. And this is why I believe that the Lord has put it upon my heart uh, early in 2020 to continue to talk to you, God's people, about being prepared for the Lord's return. Let's read uh, in Matthew chapter 24. Turn your Bibles with me, <clears throat> excuse me, to Matthew 24. I want to read verses 32 through 42. Are you ready? Okay. Now learn the parable from the fig tree when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too 
When you see all these things, recognize that he is near, right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Verse 36, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Let that sink in for a minute. For the coming of the Son of Man, in verse 37, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. Hear me, beloved. Even then, they did not understand until the flood came and washed them away. And Jesus says, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. And here's where I want to finish this particular passage in verse 42. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. You want to know why I have a mandate upon my life to help you and me And our families and our children and our grandchildren be prepared for the Lord's return because he is coming soon. And according to his very words, he said, my coming is going to be a lot like it was in the days of Noah. Because they didn't even know that the judgment of the Lord was coming until they were being washed away by it. And I've made it my goal, my One of the most important things in my life to help you not be washed away by the day that we live in. To not be washed away and and look over your shoulder and go, what happened? No, but to be prepared so that it does not catch you unaware. It does not catch you asleep because you are not a child of the night. Hallelujah. You're not a child of the night, but you're a child of the day. Come on, somebody. Praise God. One of the first parables, and I know Jesus gave <clears throat> reference to a very short parable about the fig tree, which is actually very a prophetic parable. But, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in chapter 25, he opens up a, a whole parabolic message there about the ten virgins. And, of course, that message sub, is, is a subject matter that has been preached for years in so many other ways. But for whatever reason, it caught me today not as another story, It caught me as a continuation of Jesus' discourse to his disciples when they asked him, Lord, tell us what it's going to be like. Tell us when's the end of the age. This was a continuation of his conversation with them, of his discourse in Matthew 24. So we're going to read verses 1 through 13. You've read it before. You've heard it before. You've heard it preached a thousand times as a standalone message. We're not going to look at it as a standalone message. We're going to look at it as a continuation of Jesus' discourse from Matthew 24, explaining to his disciples what it's going to be like. Now, I want you to see how this parable fits into that storyline. Chapter 25, verse 1. Excuse me, let me get another drink. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps 
and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were prudent or wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flask along with their lamps. Listen, did you hear that? Took oil in flask or containers along with their lamps. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Now, verse 5, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil. Remember that they had other flasks, other containers. Apparently the Five foolish didn't. They only had the oil that was in their lamp. No extra. There's a lesson to learn here. The foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent said, or the wise said, no, there will not be enough for you, us. <coughs> and you two, go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he answered, truly, I say to you, I don't even know you. Look at verse 13, because verse 13 is the whole parable in one sentence. Jesus summed it up for us in one sentence Be on alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. I think that people lose the parable's intent when they spend time trying to analyze the significance of all the other elements and pieces and parts and details of the parable. For example, what does the oil represent? Why ten virgins? What, what does that represent? Uh, and, and listen, all of these are important. Don't, don't take me wrong. I'm not saying that. All of these are important, and they can preach all day long, but we cannot allow all the elements and the pieces and parts of this parable to mask or guide the simple, fundamental message that Jesus was trying to impart to his disciples. Jesus summed it up in verse 13. And in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, in the New King James Version, he said, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Look at the same passage in the Passion Translation of the Bible. Matthew 25, verse 13. That is the reason you should always stay awake and alert because you don't know the day or hour when the bridegroom will appear. This is the reason that you must be prepared for the Lord's return. Because if you are not prepared for the Lord's return, and you are simply doing church and being filled with the Spirit to just enough, you're gonna, you have a potential to miss out because these other five wives didn't have just enough. They had more than enough. They had extra in other containers because they were not going to be found not ready, unprepared. Preparedness. We have to keep ourselves ready. We must be prepared. Jesus touched on this point more than once in his 
in, in, in the scriptures in relationship to his return. Matthew 24, verse 44, Luke chapter 20, verse 40, say basically the same thing. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He is coming, brothers and sisters. We are so near the threshold of the, of the Lord's return. And, and without a shadow of a doubt, we are not just in the last days. We are in the last of the last days. And even as we saw where Jesus was talking about the time of Noah, where the flood came and washed them away before they even knew what was happening. But the door to the ark was already closed. And there was no salvation for them at that point we must be prepared and we must be diligently watching for the lord's return this is why i am on the course that i am with you as your pastor uh, i'm going to preach a lot of different subject matters on a sunday morning where i have an opportunity to pastor so many more people i only get an hour to do that but on wednesday nights i can get down to the nitty-gritty and i have a whole hour to teach you and to preach to you and to share the word of god with you in such a way that you can be sparked to attention fired up and driven to be more prepared and more ready for the coming of the lord whatever that would take so in the process of this, I, we are going to break down a few elements of this parable, but we are not going to lose sight of the fundamental message, of the simple message of preparedness. Because that's what Jesus was, this is the storyline. The storyline isn't really about ten virgins. It's about being prepared for the unexpected, sudden return of the Lord. That's what it's all about. That is the underlying message. So to deliver that message better, we're going to talk about a few of the elements. Let's talk about the, <clears throat> the ten virgins for a minute. It was customary for the bridegroom to come at night. That was a very customary thing, and that bridegroom would come to the bride's house where all the bridesmaids were there with her, and they were attending to her and waiting on her, and, and they were waiting together for the bridegroom's arrival. And when the bridegroom... Uh, when his arrival was announced, these bridesmaids would light their lamps and they would go out to offer a lit path for the bridegroom to come to the bride. In, these, in this parable, we need to recognize that the virgins do represent the church and that the bridegroom represents Jesus Christ. So let's talk for a minute about the bridegroom because that's another element of the story. Jewish weddings included the announcement of the bridegroom's arrival at the bride's house. You get this. Now, the, the, the standard or the tradition was that the wedding started in the evening and the lamps would be lit right at dusk. Not at midnight, at dusk. Because the, the wedding ceremony, the celebration started in the evening. And listen, midnight in the storyline was far later than the traditional expected hour of arrival. And then to top it off with, the announcement of his arrival came suddenly. It came without warning. It came unexpectedly. Jesus is giving a parabolic view of his return and that relationship between him and his church. We don't know the timing of the Lord's return. We know that it is near 
We can tell, according to Scripture and according to His words, the seasons and the times, but we do not know the day or the hour because, according to Scripture, even the Son doesn't know the day or the hour. But we should be prepared for it as though it could happen suddenly and unexpectedly. Are you ready for that? I dare say a large percentage of the church body whole is not prepared for that type of occasion. Everything's been too easy peasy all along the way. And heaven forbid we have to go through the fire, go through trouble, go through tribulation, go through persecution. No, 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 that's for third world countries, not for us. You need to wake up and smell the burnt coffee. I say that with all (laughs) love in my heart, amen. Okay, so we got the ten virgins, we got the bridegroom. How about the vessels of oil? This really captivated me today. The vessels, or as we saw in the New American Standard Bible, it said flask. Those were additional containers other than the oil that could be contained in the lamp itself. And it was uh, containers meant for storing extra oil. And the five wise virgins were ready, prepared for the unexpected uh, with not only oil in their lamps, but they brought about some other oil containers. It's like, you know, at my house, I got, I got gasoline in my truck and I got three or four or five gallon containers of gasoline in my garage. How good is that going to do me when my truck or my lawnmower runs out of gas and I go grab one of their containers and there's nothing but fumes? Not going to help none. So here they not only had oil in their lamps, but with extra containers of oil as well. But the five foolish virgins did not have that. Sometimes, friends, we get lazy. Or we grow complacent thinking that we have enough to get by. But I want you to hear something, and I want you to hear it straight up. Let me help you with something, friends. Following Jesus means more than just having enough to get by you got to be filled. It means always with deliberate intention, striving, doing your most, doing your very best to draw draw closer to Christ, to to get to know him more, to, to read your Bible more, to pray more, to be in church more. There's no such thing as casual Christianity. Well, the day of casual Christianity is over, my friend. It's time for some serious, I'm willing to die for Jesus' disciples to be in the church system, to be a part of the church body whole, so people can recognize there is a miracle power in that person that I want, and people will run to the true power of Jesus Christ, not to the old religious church. I've been trying to get us out of that for a long time, y'all. Let's quit being a religious institution and let's start being the body of Christ himself with power. (laughs) I feel the presence and the anointing of God. I wish I had a live audience here to preach to, but I'm so glad that I can look you straight in the eye and bring a message delivered straight to you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to be aggressive. You can't be lackadaisical and casual about your approach to God, your pursuit of God. You better get aggressive about your pursuit of God. You need more oil. You need more than enough oil. 
You better have some extra flask of oil when your patience gets tried and when you find yourself tested and tried by the things of life. Some people are going, the gasoline thing seems to be all right here. It's only a trouble over in North Carolina and Virginia. <laughs> Get your head out of the sand. We're going to face difficult times. There's going to be harder times coming, but I proclaim in the name of Jesus that there's not, the church is not going to tuck away and hide away. We're going to rise from the ashes and we're going to present and represent the power of the living God to a dying world. They need you. They need me. I'm a little excited this evening. <laughs> All right, let's take number four, the lamps. The oil lamps of Jesus' day were a very common thing, and they enabled people, catch this, catch this, to carry light with them. Catch it. In the same way, we are to be lamps. We are to be light bearers. <coughs> Wherever we go, you're supposed to represent. You're supposed to have light. You're supposed to dispel darkness. You're supposed to be a light bearer, a vessel filled with oil, lit up for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Wherever we go, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. <coughs> Excuse me. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see the power of God, and therein glorify your Father in heaven as well. You're light bearers. Are you shining light where you go? Are you turning the wick down so you can't be noticed? Are you a fiery flame or are you nothing more than a flickering pilot light that goes completely unnoticed? Hello. I told you I was going to bring it tonight. Listen, don't you know that a flashlight with no batteries is only good to be a club? A flashlight with no batteries, no power source will not provide any light at all. So too, an oil lamp with no oil brings no benefit brings no benefit life can suck the oil right out of you you better have an extra flask you better have an extra container don't be like the five foolish versions and only have enough oil for the wick to run dry <laughs> all right well then let's talk about the oil that's number five the oil of that day was extracted from olives and it's that's kind of the natural side, olives, olive extraction and pressing to get oil. But there is a spiritual side to this. And the spiritual side is what I want to call the oil of spiritual preparedness. I'm going to say it again. The oil, the anointing of spiritual preparedness. Better write that down. The oil, the anointing of spiritual preparedness. Now get ready, because here's some bad news. The oil of spiritual preparedness cannot be shared with somebody else. That's the message in the ten virgins. They, the five said, give us some. They went, no. 
It's mine. If I give you some of mine, I won't have enough for me and I'll miss out. You cannot live your life on my spiritual preparedness and I cannot live my life on your spiritual preparedness. We need to have the oil of spiritual preparedness. We need to be, <coughs> excuse me, individually on our own personal journey and you must and I must metaphorically have extra vessels filled with this extra oil. That brings me to this. How do I get the oil of spiritual preparedness? If you can't guess, you ain't heard me preach very much over nine years. Here, she, here it comes. Here it comes. Keeping your nose in the book with, listen to me, beloved, with aggressive tenacity of consumption of the word. With the, with the heart of obedience to what the scriptures share with you. And if you will have this tenacity and this hunger for the word of God to read it, not because you have some reading plan, but because you're chasing after Jesus Christ, you, it will contribute to the oil in your lamp. It will contribute to the oil in your extra vessels in which you can refuel and remain lit in the, in the midnight hour <laughs> when the kitchen gets hot. That's when you need a little extra oil. Keep your nose in the book, beloved. I know I've said this a thousand times. I got a plaque somebody gave me in my office. It was a statement of Pastor Rick. Keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and your body in the house of God. And I bet there's some people who think, oh, that's a nice, clever statement. Yay. It is not. I recognize the spiritual impact and truth behind that clever cliche. And here I see it, that this is how you keep your oil, your lamp lit, <clears throat> and the vessel of oil in the lamp full. But guess what? Struggles, tough times, family loss, job loss, all the things of life can come suck that dry. You better have some extra vessels of oil. Don't just get into the Bible on Wednesday night. <clears throat> Don't just get into the Bible on Sunday morning. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 in the New Living Translation says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Are you listening to me, brothers and sisters? I, I pray that you're just... Wearing your Bible out. Be tenacious about it. Be aggressive about it. Don't let people steal that time from you. Don't let the enemy distract that time from you. The second thing, of course, you know what it is. Keep your knees bent to heaven. Keeping your knees bent to heaven intentionally and deliberately staying in an attitude of prayer helps you to draw closer to the Father. That's the way you communicate with him, and it refuels your oil levels. When you feel like your lamp is dwindling due to the push and shove of life, I could get a, if you all were here, I could get a witness from every one of you that you have had moments in your Christian life where unintentionally you have felt your lamp, your light dwindling, the oil fading because of the push and shove and struggles of life have stolen it from you. 
You got to have an extra flask of oil. <laughs> you got to keep that wick trimmed. You got to keep it lit. You got to be prepared for the Lord's return. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 in the Message Bible. If my people, my God defined people. Mm, 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 I like that. Respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their back onto their wicked ways. I will be there ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I'll restore their land to health. <clears throat> we often grab a hold of this verse in relationship to our nation, in land. I'll restore your land to health. Well, I tell you what, I live over on 6, 608 Cedar Street in Breckenridge, and I got some land over there. But that land is not what I'm talking about. I got some daughters and I got nine grandchildren and they got husbands. And I got a church. I got land metaphorically in so many other areas than just dirt. And I want there to be health in my land, in my people. How's that happen? It happens by recognizing that you are defined by God. But are you defined by God or are you defined by your own petty interests? Are you defined by those things that you just chase after? Are you defined by the fact that you are a student of the word of God, that you are praying to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not in some high and mighty religious way, but in a way that is just, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. He says, if you'll do this, if my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, chasing after him, pursuing him, and turning their back on their wicked lives. I'll be there. He says, I'll be there ready for you, and I'll listen to you from heaven, and I'll forgive your sins, and I'll restore your land to health. Number three, of course, you know what it is, right? Keeping yourself connected to the church family. Of course, that's what it is. This is a key element in making sure that you never, that you're never running on empty. <clears throat> Why do I need church? We need each other. There's strength in numbers. Here tonight, there's four of us. I have Lynn back there. He's doing some media for the screen up here. Uh, I have Cole over there. He's doing the camera work. Jonathan, my good brother, sitting back here, and he did worship. Him and I sat down here in this front row for the last 30 minutes before church, just communicated and spent time with each other. And we both got up from that moment going, damn, man, it was awesome spending time together. It strengthened us. Just think about spending time with the Father. Think about spending time with other believers. We need each other. I know we're not together in the house, but I feel like I'm so connected to you right now, you may as well be sitting here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, as I bring this to an end. From the Passion Translation. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Now, I don't know, but I just got nudged by the Holy Spirit, as my pastor would say. And I don't know how many people there are out there tonight, during this frame, during this time frame, who are not connected to this service right now in the here and now. Oh, you, you decide to pick it up later on and we'll fast scroll through it. Or decide not to watch it at all because you already think you already know what I got to say. Or maybe you think you already, you know, all, you know it all already anyway. That may have sounded 
rough. Sometimes I have to ruffle your feathers to wake you up, to shake you out of the slumber. I wish it were true that every single person that calls this church their church home was watching right now, because guess what? Brothers and sisters, right now the water is stirred. Right now the anointing is happening. Right now in this moment. Now I prayed a little a while ago and I'm continuing to pray. And I said, Lord, even later on when it's recorded, let this same anointing be there for them at that time. Why do I pray that? Because I know that sometimes it's right now in the here and now that it's taking place. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. Are you listening, beloved? You cannot afford to skip church. Well, Pastor, I'm watching right now. Praise God, I'm glad you're watching, and I know there's a bunch of you. How, how many people are watching right now, brother? 24. 24. There's 24 people in this church of 175, almost 200, that are watching right now. I better move on. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, I'm going to close. <laughs> I've, had way, I've had a lot of fun tonight bringing the Word of God, and I've felt the power of the anointing, and I've been just looking forward to bringing the message. And by the way, didn't our good brother Jonathan absolutely hit a home run out of the park? This dude's a big hitter, man. He brought a great message on Sunday. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, we've taken a few minutes to discuss some of the elements of the parable of the ten virgins, but let's not lose sight of the simple message of Christ in the parable. Anytime I'm working with preachers and I'm trying to train them, I'll often say to them, tell me your message in one sentence. Jesus did that in Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. I'm going to read this time from the amplified version of the Bible. Therefore, be on the alert, be prepared and ready, for you do not know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come being prepared for the Lord's return, the title of the message, and will be the title of the message for whoever knows how many Wednesdays we got left on planet Earth, unless the Lord does something different. <clears throat> I want to speak a prayer over you. <clears throat> Those of you who are watching tonight, all 24 of you, you ought to send a note out to everybody else. Say, you got to, you got to get a hold of tonight's service, the message tonight. This is why pastors so aggressively, tenaciously driven to speak about being prepared for the Lord's return. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not a naysayer. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I believe in God's holy word. I can see the signs of the times that's happening around us. And we are on the threshold of things on planet earth getting worse. But I still believe the church will rise. Amen. Bow your heads with me. I've, I've actually written out a prayer here that it kind of had in my heart. 
And so forgive me if I uh, uh, appeal to the writing of this because I don't want to miss the essence of what I wanted to share with you in this closing prayer. Dear God, silence all the voices in our minds but yours. Please, Lord, silence every other voice but yours. Help us to hear yours. Help us to seek and be able to follow your will. Even as the Apostle Paul prayed in the third chapter of Ephesians, according to the riches of your glory, help us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being, in our vessel, and in our containers, that we may have oil, that you would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we can be rooted and grounded in love, that we may have strength to wrap our minds around this fantastic love that you've given us that surpasses all knowledge and that you have told us to love others the same way. And Lord, that we may be filled with all your fullness, that our lamps and our vessels may be filled with the oil of preparedness. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been touched and blessed by this tonight, would you give the Lord a praise offering right where you're at? Praise God. I was blessed when I was writing it earlier, and I got even more blessed when I got to express it tonight. Hallelujah. I speak the blessings of the Lord on you. Remember that I've invited you to come be here in the house together next Wednesday night. And on, although we cannot meet this coming Sunday, I'm going to stick with our existing plan. Our Sunday back will uh, actually be on May 30th, which, by the way, is Family Sunday. We'll have all the kids, everybody be together in this place. I hope you just come fill the house up. Not for me. But for you and for Christ. Be a living example of someone who's chasing after God with all your heart. I call you blessed tonight. I love you. I know I brought up a strong word and preached it hard, preached myself happy. Uh, But I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord bless you and that he keep you, that he make his face shine upon you, he strengthen you and his countenance go before you, gives you grace that is more than enough and comfort in your life. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you Sunday.